Hey folks, it's Brian Cook here with a word from our sponsor this week, Midnight Heat by Cat Johnston. Can you lasso lust? Nothing says no strings attached romance better than a long road trip with a handsome cowboy. Desperate to get across country, Phoenix Montagno jumps at the chance to ride shotgun with rodeo rider Justin Skaggs on his way home. It's the perfect arrangement, no personal details, just two strangers sharing a truck and the occasional roadside bed. Riding off into the sunset isn't an option for her right now, but Phoenix didn't expect Justin to smolder with so much heat. Saddle up with Midnight Heat by Cat Johnson. This cowboy wants to take you for a ride. Available now wherever books are sold and at kensingtonbooks.com. Now entering Nerdist.com. Hello and welcome to episode 159 of the Competitive Erotic Fan Fiction Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Cook, and you've found the Internet's number one most trusted source for Muppet Boners and Horny Loners. Upcoming shows include March 20th at the Virgil in Los Angeles and April 17th also at the Virgil in Los Angeles. That will be a very special show. I can't release details yet, but mark your calendars. It's going to be a good one. Uh, today's show is round one from the last L.A. Championship edition recorded December 20th, 2015, featuring John Ozale, Danny Sullivan, Dave Ross, and Giovanni Lanayo, reading pieces they wrote in advance based upon topics of their choosing. Enjoy. And keeping off your first round one competitor, Mr. Danny Sullivan. You can do better than that for Danny Sullivan. I promise you, you can. There it is. All right, all right. I will be doing the epic miniseries Cosmos. Thank you. A black hole, a hole in the three dimensional fabric of space from which nothing not even light can escape. Its density, immeasurable. Its gravity exponentially increasing, pulling any and all matter into the event horizon until it eventually becomes the singularity. A tiny glob of jizz moves towards it. My jizz. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson. As I navigate through the expanse of space in this ship of the imagination, I can go anywhere, do anything. I can explore the infinite and the infinitesimal. From atoms the size of suns to universes the size of atoms. That can make a guy pretty horny. Oh look, the black hole just sucked up my jizz. Like a good little slut. Join me, won't you? As I jack off to the universe. That's the theme song. With no limits to our journey, the only question is, where to begin? God, I'm hard. Pants completely off. I got nowhere to be. Sometimes when I get this worked up, I like to grab a little pinky full of pre-cum and take a lick. <laughs> Don't know why, but it puts things in overdrive. <laughs> the cosmos is so vast, and there are so many worlds yet to discover. There, out the window, is a globulous cluster, a dense group of ancient stars. I could smush two of them together like a couple of hot, gaseous jugs and work my cock in between them. Not white dwarves, either. Big, sloppy red giants. I could tip up those stars so bad, maybe wrap a little comet around my nutsack while I'm at it. I'd empty my dick cartridge all over that entire cluster and make the whole place go supernova. But that's boring. 
Maybe I could just take our entire solar system, shove the whole thing straight up my ass. <laughs> then, while I'm whacking it, I could slowly pull each planet out like a set of anal beads. You know, it'd be smooth at first, right? I mean, Mercury, Venus, Earth, you bitches would love that. <laughs> You'll be coming just as hard as me when you slide out of my shitter. <laughs> but then come the real big daddies. Jupiter, Saturn, which is kind of ribbed, and of course, Uranus. <laughs> Neptune will be a nice finish because it's kind of chilly. And don't give me any of that Pluto shit either. Read a fucking book. <laughs> but I don't think I want to do that either. Maybe we go small, all the way past the atoms, the quarks, the bosons, into that seriously theoretical shit. I could take one of the unimaginably small vibrating strings that make up the universe and tie one end around my dick and the other end, or one end around my neck and the other to a closet door or something like that, and then choke myself out as I spurt. My load would shoot out and hit some of the other strings, and then suddenly all of existence is made out of fresh cum. <laughs> like there are swirling cum galaxies and dried cum asteroids and possibly extraterrestrial cum life forms out there. And you on Earth, you're all cum people now. You go about your cum day with your stupid cum life, driving your cum car to your jizzy job. And your mom and dad are jizz too. And you get together once a month to talk and eat cum sandwiches. I could fuck with time too. They say time is a circle, but actually as a physicist, I know time is an oval. A sideways oval, a lot like a pussy. It's juicy labia are the past and the future, and the clitoris is the present. I could stick a couple of digits into the fourth dimensional hole. Getting so deep in there, I could reach any number of alternate realities. I could take a trip down south, lick my fat tongue all the way around from the Big Bang all the way to year one million, and then double back to hit the right fucking now. <laughs> then with Lady Time, Spread Eagle, I could stick my cock inside and touch tips with a kneel from another reality. <laughs> That'd be hot as fuck. <laughs> But ultimately, the story of the cosmos is the story of us. How single-celled organisms left the water and became complex beings capable of reaching the stars. Here on Earth, I could fuck my way up and down the evolutionary ladder. I could fuck trilobites, hominids, flagellates, protozoans. I could, dink, I could dunk my nuts into the primordial ooze and have a couple of dirty amoeba skanks suck it off. <laughs> I could fuck around the food chain, nailing plants, fish, reptiles, no condom. <laughs> Early man, Neanderthals who don't even understand the concept of a society, but they'll learn about the concept of throat gagging. <laughs> Maybe I'll even go to modern history and mess around a bit. Although in order to get my experience rocks off, I'd have to do some real freaky shit, like have Jesus and Da Vinci spit my ass or... Have Anne Frank squat and fart on a cake as I yank it with 9-11 in the background. <laughs> you want to judge me? I'm a man of science, motherfuckers. I know that the universe is just a cold, emotionless void, mechanically humming along to the rhythm of a few basic physical laws. There's no God, no morality. That's just shit you guys made up to, to justify your hang-ups. All we really have is our existence and our genitals. And whatever makes them shudder and squirt. <laughs> Our journey is just beginning. So come along with me. 
into the stars. Thank you. <laughs> Denny Sullivan. Thanks, pal. Keep it going for your second competitor, Giovanni Lanayo. There she is. I have to tell you, these are all returning champions, by the way. All returning champions this evening. Well, hello. How do you do? Welcome on behalf of Walt Disney, the Philadelphia Orchestra, and all of the artists whose combined talents formed this new form of entertainment, Disney's Fantasia. <laughs> what you're going to see in this program is art inspired by music, an intimate marrying of sound and picture, interpreted by the artists at Disney and inspired by the composers of yesteryear. Now may we present The Nutcracker Suite by Pietor Tchaikovsky. The on-screen conductor lifts his wand and the string section begins to swell. A wonderful world of color appears, brought to life by the energy of the music. With a long, melodious draw from the cellos and a short burst from the violins, the blur of color takes shape into a flower. A delicate, 2D, anthropomorphic dancing tulip in matte yellow. It's upside down to make the petals look like a dress, and it coyly bats its long, curling, overly sexualized eyelashes to make extra sure that we know it's female. Thank you, Disney. <laughs> the violas join the song with a playful pluck on their tight little strings. Oh, the flower likes that. She can feel herself getting dewy. It feels so right for art and music to touch in this way. Every bow is wet with fresh rosin, and each stroke of the strings is like a paintbrush stroke to her body, filling her in. She can feel every finger as they press their chosen chord and slide upward and downward and tremble for a delicious vibrating sensation, ribbed for her pleasure. It's as though the cellist's legs are spread so wide you can just smell the music. The twinkling sound of a harp drifts under her petals and toward her pollen. She sighs in rapture and blooms consent. The melody of the harp enters her. This one puts fingers on both sides. The harp plays the G and plays the G again. A sharp, B flat, G, C sharp, E flat, G. Oh, play the D, begs the flower. Just give me the D, give me the D. <laughs> and the tulip convulses, closes her petals, and falls asleep like a dude. In Ludwig van Beethoven's pastoral symphony, he paints a musical picture of a day in the country. Beethoven is a great animal lover, and so are the artists here at Walt Disney. So let's see what happens when Beethoven, exotic animals, and cartoon animation all come together. <laughs> the conductor's wand taps his music stand as an illustrated curtain falls before the orchestra and draws again to reveal a beautiful landscape of mountains and rivers, plains and waterfalls. Flutes flutter like Tinkerbell and rouse the voluptuous lady ostriches sleeping in tutus and ballet slippers. Oboes nudge the nearby troop of come-hither ballerina hippos from their slumber in the river. A bassy tuba stirs some hot elephants wearing nothing but point shoes. 
Good morning, Wood. There's something about waking up to the vibrating lips of woodwind and brass that makes even an animal crave a sword in her stone and a wind in her willows. And gives girl Dumbo a real tromboner. So begins the musical masturbation. The elephants use their trunks to rub their huge rubbery clits to the beat of the throbbing tuba. The hippos turn to face upstream so the river can pulsate on their aristocats at the cadence of the oboe. As the flutes key their finger holes, the ostriches crane their long necks downward to fee licks Mendelssohn their own vaginas. Do birds have vaginas? Nope. Delete search history. They're feeling the rhythm and themselves. The girls are beating it to the beat, getting the solo and handles Messiah, jacking off like Rachmaninoff. Ooh, yeah, that's the song of the South, music that makes the ladies drop their panties and Brahms. <laughs> Splash goes the orchestra as the exhausted musicians empty their spit valves. <laughs> The last number in our Fantasia program is The Sorcerer's Apprentice, where our old pal, that Mickey Mouse, gets into... There's more to the intro, but us kids watching Fantasia on VHS know to fast-forward this part now. <laughs> we already know Mickey's gonna wear a wizard hat and get some enchanted brooms up his butt. <laughs> Play. Mickey, in his starry blue wizard hat, has just finished filling the well of the sorcerer's castle himself, with no enchantment or indoor tidal waves or mishap at all. Mickey looks down at himself and makes a sad face as a bassoon plays low tones, so we know he's saying, Boy, I wish I had genitals! <laughs> then he spies a lonely broom and points upward, saying, I have a swell idea! Through the excited sound of a piccolo. Mickey Mouse makes a magical gesture at the broom. Nothing. He throws the gesture again, this time backed by determined sounds from a clarinet. The broom quakes with magic, and Mickey uses the force to make it fly from the wall to between his legs, where it fuses with his body like a permanent strap-on. Mickey's Woody Woodpecker. His new magic wand is shaking with innate horniness. Oh, fuck something, Mickey commands with the bang of a bass drum. The long broom schlong knocks the wizard hat from Mickey's head and begins thrusting into it. Whoa, 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 says Mickey. As he's flailed about by his possessed erection, broom boner starts fucking everything in the room. Buckets, teacups, a hole in the wall, a map, some toast, a bunch of pennies, the buckets again. All the while, the piano and percussion are going crazy. Mickey sees an axe and, though deeply conflicted, chops his new peepee to pieces, <laughs> naturally creating 100 more full-size broom dick sticks from the splinters, each one more sex craze than the last. Once the room is fucked to rubble and that rubble fucked to dust... <laughs> The broomcocks tear through the pages of the other parts of the movie, looking for more mouse holes to jam. If you didn't remember the, the two sections from before, you really won't remember the six minutes of abstract lines and shapes that actually start the film. Yeah, the brooms shred those like they should have done to the script of Fantasia 2000. 
There's also an evolution sequence that ends with all the cool dinosaurs dying of starvation. Well, they go extinct in a new way now. Dick smash, dick smash, dick smash! Remember the part with Zeus and Pegasus and all the centaurs, but two of the centaurs are servants with brown skin and zebra legs? It's fucking racist! But Mickey likes them because he has jungle book fever. They got straddled like you used to have to do on the Matterhorn ride. Mickey, his 100 dicks and his weird bristle pubes, bust through the wall like Wreck-It Ralph and find the terrified Philadelphia Orchestra. What? Who y'all Franz Joseph Haydn from? They fuck everybody. All holes and whole notes are fair game. How you like this organ, organ? They hit the string se- they hit it with the string section. Yeah, that strikes a chord. They tap the timpani and pound the pitch pipe. Get it, pitch, get it, pitch. It's a wolf gangbang Amadeus Mozart. Hey, conductor, you're so good with your hands. Why don't you do like a fermata and hold his dick? Better yet, let's play some Beethoven. This dick has warts. Who likes Mr. Toad's Wild Ride? They even tinkled on the ivories. Mr. Holland's opus. Fucking two at a time. Ooh, major thirds. And add two more. Mmm, perfect. Fifth. Eight more at once. Kick it up an octave. Whoa, 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 says Mickey. A tidal wave of broom come blasts through the roof and sends everything up into the sky and jizz, including the graceful ballet elephants. I think I've done seen about everything when I seen an elephant creep Thank you. <laughs> Giovanni Lanayo. Keep it going for John Ozelay. <clears throat> All right. Spoiler alert. This is not based on the actual movie. This is based on the trailer. None of the spoilers in it will contain anything that will ruin a, a movie experience for you. Though you might get turned off. Exterior, deep space. A yellow paragraph of exposition shoots through the galaxy. It reads, Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Quivers. <laughs> Luke Skywalker has vanished. No one knows why, but it might have something to do with the fact he's not that great of an actor. And there are no good roles for him. Meanwhile, from the depths of a Hollywood agency, a savvy publicist has rebranded the Empire as the almost identical First Order. And their first order of business, black stormtroopers. <laughs> their abundance of fast twitch muscle fibers and extra tendon in their legs make them superior and sexier than the hapless clone troopers who had a genetic defect that made them incredibly inaccurate with their blasters <laughs> and boners. The masked lord Kylo Ren uses a Sith angst to write a think piece on Luke Skywalker. And everyone is afraid of him because despite the fact that he is the commander of a military junta, he wears skinny jeans. <laughs> he has teamed up with the powerful J.J. Abrams to unleash the ultimate weapon. Shameless pandering. Exterior, desert planet that looks like Tatooine, but might not be. Okay, day. (laughs) 
A young girl named Ray is doing her desert yoga in an open-air studio, and it's super sexy. Even passing droids stop what they're doing and say, damn. Kylo Ren looks up from his laptop screen as he sees her Jedi... Well, shit. <laughs> sees her Jedi-esque f- flexibility and thinks, I'd like to stick my weird three-pronged lightsaber up in that. But to his dismay, he notices that one of his black stormtroopers has joined a small band of rebels, and they are using a hologram of the white girl's pussy to plan their approach. <laughs> Old as fuck Han Solo explains, Every pussy has some way to make it come. Many Bothans died finding out it was probably this gross exhaust vent, he explained, pointing to the butthole. <laughs> Black Stormtrooper chimes in and says, I know it's probably tight and disgusting, but I'll get up in there. Han's like, fair enough. Oh, uh, and uh, Chewie's like, I got a bad feeling about this, revealing he's been able to speak English the entire time. <laughs> they deploy to execute their terribly simple plan, but Kylo Ren has emoed his way over to, to Rey and started talking to her about how he feels inferior to other Sith lords because he's, and he's trying to get a pity fuck out of her. Ha notices that this pathetic whining has caused her pussy to close tighter than blast doors. So he calls over the hot new droid in town, BB-8. The chachi to R2-D2's the fonts. BB-8, roll over there and open those beef curtains. BB-8 and... BB-8's adorable and unthreatening round body makes Ray at ease. And he sticks out that tiny arm that all droids have to hack into spaceships. (laughs) And starts twisting it on her clit. Chewie pushes Kylo Ren aside and Hans walks up. Han walks up. Waves his hand in front of Ray's face and says, These are the boners you're looking for. Just then, Ray hears a Jamaican voiceover explain, The Force, it's calling to you. Just let it in. That's in the preview. Uh, Ray gives a really concentrated face like she's using the Force, but really she's doing kegels to control dexterous tongues that come out of her vagina like the Sarlacc from Return of the Jedi. It grabs their dicks and pulls them in where they will learn a new definition of pleasure as their pussy tongues stroke them for what feels like a thousand years. (laughs) Deep inside her pussy trap, their dicks touch. Han locks eyes with his Wookiee companion and rejoices. Chewie, we're home. (laughs) Kylo Ren, enraged that he has failed again, screams at some pasty white underling and uses his dark side powers to choke out his dick without even touching it. Out of nowhere, Luke, Luke Skywalker shows up and says... I don't care if you're my stepson. And rips off Kylo, r- Kylo's mask and tongue kisses him. <laughs> and it's not really that hot, but give him a break. Luke is pretty rusty. Uh, meanwhile, Han and Chewie are killing it inside Ray's pussy per usual. They notice the black stormtrooper has come up from behind to finish her off. Han commands, Great kid, get cocky. So black trumps to... <laughs> Black Stormtrooper dumps his photon torpedoes into her exhaust vent with force-like precision, setting off a chain reaction. Han and Chewie pull out and escape just in time. Ray comes with a power greater than any in the universe, squirting blue lightning out of her pit monster, which kills Salacious Crumb, Wedge Antilles, Admiral Akbar, and all the unnecessary cameos that showed up for no apparent reason. <laughs> The camera then pans to director J.J. Abrams, who winks at the fans. (laughs) 
Ray, still vulnerable from coming so hard, turns to Han, looks longingly into his eyes, and says, I love you. Han Solo, in a classic ad-lib, replies, uh, what? And then runs away before she can repeat herself. <laughs> he rejoins Princess Leia on the Millennium Falcon, who watched the whole thing. No one can really tell if she's horrified or super turned on because she's Botox and emotion out of her face. <laughs> As they headed home, everyone involved agreed it was good sex. Not the best sex they'd had, but it's hard to live up to the best sex ever, and it certainly was better than the last few sexual encounters. <laughs> the end. John Ozelay. All right, keep it going for your final round one competitor, Mr. Dave Ross. Topic I picked is stand-up comedy. I don't know if there's any other preface I could give, but let's call it the stand-up comedy we all know and love. All right. The Beatles just got real fucking loud, huh? It's like pretty aggressively making its way into this show. All right, yeah, let's fucking do this. All right, stand-up comedy. Dave is a bad comedian. A really bad comedian. But he has no idea because no one has ever told him because comedians are terrified of burning any bridge, even if it's with a sociopath or an admitted rapist. It's a thing. And it's horrifying. Uh... And some crowds actually liked him because he said cool stuff like, my girlfriend's a bitch, am I right? And let's give it up for the troops. (laughs) So Dave had a career. Or at least enough of a career for him to be somewhat respected in Iowa. Today he stands just to the side of the stage in one of the most coveted shows in Los Angeles at a bar called The Virgil, a booking he received through sheer persistence and domination. Or, said another way, He messaged the booker over and over again so frequently and for so long that the booker wanted to die. (laughs) This was his normal plan of attack for getting on shows. Either that or openly complaining that he hasn't done the show. (laughs) The thing was that he deserved to be on every show because he'd been working really hard at stand-up, doing it once a month for two years, but not not open mics because they're really hard. (laughs) He would often talk about how hard open mics are on Facebook, at the end of a post about how men are oppressed or guns are necessary or something else that makes you feel safe. <laughs> He's about to go on stage. He's so excited. This is a great show in front of a packed, drunk crowd that loves comedy, and he has a brand new bit that's been killing about how his girlfriend is a bitch. <laughs> you know, because she won't have sex with him every single time he wants to have sex. Quote, like you could when there were slaves. <laughs> The host introduces him. You might know him from his podcast, What? No! (laughs) And the crowd goes wild. He walks on stage and launches into the bit. Opening with new stuff? That's dangerous. It is dangerous. But Dave is a dangerous boy. (laughs) The crowd loves it. They can't believe what a piece of shit his girlfriend is. Oh man, she is just awful. How could she do that to him? What, was she her own person or something? He clearly deserves sex, even though he just crashed her car. (laughs) And now the crowning moment. The act out. The sex act out. Crowds love it when Dave acts out sex, especially if he pretends the stool on stage is the girl. First of all, no one's ever done that. And secondly, comedy is best when it's scary. (laughs) 
He places his hand flat on top of the stool, leans forward, and starts thrusting his pelvis at the rungs. Back and forth and back and forth, sensually and with purpose. He is truly making love. He bites his lip and groans as he looks at the crowd. He needs them to know that the stool is his girlfriend, and they do. They love it. They hoot and holler and cheer and recoil and laugh more. He is killing. He's killing hard. Then something happens. As the laughter and applause breaks rise, so does his cock. He feels a tingling and an excitement in his jeans that he normally only feels when he's scrolling through female comedians' Instagram pages. He's rock hard. A rock hard erection from pantomiming fucking this stool. Wait, is he attracted to this stool? He's confused and bewildered. This is weird, man. He thinks, does this mean I'm gay? But he looks down and sees why his huge dick got huger. Doesn't the space between the first rung of the stool and the second rung of the stool look kind of like a vagina? It does. It looks exactly like a pussy. A hot, pulsating pussy dripping wet with cum, ready to be fucked. Dave's not gay, dude. He's straight as fuck. He stares at that stool's pussy, longing, needing it. He wants that stool. He wants to put his dick inside that fucking stool. He kicks the stool over and dives his mouth onto its cute little stool pussy, jamming two fingers in and out and in and out as he licks the stool's dirty clit. The crowd is laughing so hard that 14 people pass out. He flips the stool upright again, rips down his pants, and thrusts his throbbing hard cock into the open space between the rungs, hard and fast and over and over and over, just like he saw on the internet one time. He clenches... He clenches the flat top of the stool, a.k.a. its stool hair, holding back from shooting cum into his new perfect wooden lover. It's almost time. He's gonna come. He knocks the stool over, grabs its legs and drags it to him, sliding his cock into its pink stool ass. He fucks the stool in the ass, bro. Hard. He pushes stool into that stool. Thank you. All the while with a packed crowd of 200 people in front of him, pounding their feet and laughing so hard they can't breathe. He clenches the first rung of the stool tight as fuck like it's one of those cats he used to kill. And then he sprays cum all over the inside of the school. The school. Shit. Well... He comes and he comes and he comes. It's the longest, hardest orgasm he's ever had. By the time he's done, not a single centimeter of the stool isn't covered in cum, and those things have a lot of surface area. But he's not done coming. He turns to the crowd and blasts them with gallons of his white-hot, infertile dick sauce, (laughs) causing them to erupt into a standing ovation. They can't believe what they've seen and what they've felt. And they all collectively know that they'll never reach that level of bliss for the rest of their lives, no matter how much they love their family. (laughs) They rush the stage, all 200 of them, lifting Dave up on their shoulders and carrying him outside to a Hummer limo they called for him, the whole time chanting, Come! 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 (laughs) He lays back on their hands, heaving and exhausted, and lets their love wash over him. He is truly content. He did it. He had the best set of all time. Thank you so much. I'm Dave Ross. Dave Ross. Dave, you can stay right here. Let's get all the round one competitors back to the stage. All right, you guys are going to be voting on a winner momentarily. First, I'm going to remind you what everybody read. We started with Danny Solomon with The Cosmos, then Giovanni Lanayo with Fantasia, John Ozilei with Star Wars, and finally Dave Ross with stand-up comedy. So pick a favorite with your applause, starting with Danny Solomon, Cosmos. 
Giovanni Lanaio, Fantasia. John Ozele, Star Wars. And Dave Ross, stand up comedy. Your round one champion, Giovanni Lanaio, ladies and gentlemen. Are you, Giovanni, are you undefeated? Are you the undefeated Giovanni Lanaio? Hell yeah. Grand champion. Nice work. That does it for round one. To hear round two, you can download episode 160 next week. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes. And for details on upcoming shows, you can follow me on Twitter at Brian Cooking or the show at CE Fanfic. See you next time. Now leaving Nerdist.com.